Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Hey, Connect. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Chris. Get to serve on the team here. And really glad you decided to join us today. Uh, recently, as I've been in conversations with people, it just seems like everyone is stressed out. Everyone I'm talking to is stressed in one way or another. And as I've been praying about that, my heart, one, my heart breaks because I know what that feels like. And I feel a pastoral conviction We need to speak into this as a church because Jesus offers another way to live, a better way to live. And what I've noticed is that a lot of people are feeling overwhelmed. And what would tell me is that over the next month or so, we will, as a society, spend way more money than we have and put an additional strain and load on ourselves buying gifts for people. Now, go buy all the gifts, but we don't need to, like, live in this land of um, spending money we don't have. So here's what we're going to do. Over the next two weeks, we're going to do just a really short mini-series. We're calling it Stress Less because that's the invitation of Jesus to us. This week, we're talking about overcoming the overwhelm. Next week, we're talking about finding financial freedom because God's Word has something to say about both these subjects that are just a reality in our lives, and Jesus does truly offer a better way. So let's talk about overwhelm. Because, I mean, everybody I'm talking to is describing some level of overwhelm right now. Some, they're overwhelmed with the classes that they've got, they're taking, and the assignments they need to turn in. Others, they're overwhelmed at work. Maybe it's starting a new business or juggling multiple jobs just to make ends meet. Many I know, are overwhelmed because their family is requiring more of them than they feel like they have to give. Some are overwhelmed because of health challenges or financial pressures. And often, when, when we feel overwhelmed, it's not just one of these things. It's often a combination of these things. At least that's been the case for Amanda and me. We, uh, we've got three incredible little girls at home, and their needs are endless, and our capacity's tapped, so we feel that. Like you, we're trying to live here in South Denver. Cost of living has only increased, so between Amanda and me, we're working a full-time job, a part-time job, and a side hustle so that we can live here and do what we do. Uh, we've got health challenges in our family that we're trying to navigate. Now, I share those things, even just generally, not because I want to come across as complaining at all. I'm really grateful for our life. And I know what it feels like to feel overwhelmed because we felt it as of late. Now, when I preach this message, this message is not like a message at you. This is a message for you and for me because this is the invitation of Jesus. When we come to him, we can overcome the overwhelm. But to, to see that, we're actually going to look at a passage in the Old Testament. So if you've got a Bible with you, open up with me to 1 Kings 19. Here we're going to see how it's a lesser known story, but, but God interacts with a great man of God 
and he helps him in his overwhelm. If you need a Bible or a place to jot down some notes, you can open up our church app. Follow along there. Recently, I listened to a message by a pastor in Oklahoma. His name's Craig Rochelle, and he preached a message titled Beating Burnout, and it was actually on this very passage. I thought it was a very helpful message, so I've integrated just some elements of that message into what we're going to be talking about today. But if, if you want more on this subject, and you want to focus it even a little bit more specifically on burnout in particular, just Google Beating Burnout. I'm sure his message will show up on YouTube, and uh, you can find out more there. Let's do this. Let's pray, and let's just ask that God would be the one who meets us in this time. Lord, thank you that we get to gather like this. <clears throat> thank you that your words speaks hope and life into our lives, and would, would we hear from you, hear from you personally today? Would we sense your presence? And would you help us navigate whatever we're trying to navigate right now, whatever feels so overwhelming? Would you come and would you overcome that for us? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're about to read an account, 1 Kings 19, about Elijah. Elijah was a great prophet of God. And we're going to pick up his story now in 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 1. We're going to read a bit. I'll give you a little bit more of the backstory on Elijah here in a sec. Now, Ahab, Ahab was the king of Israel. Now, Ahab told Jezebel everything. Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Backstory on Elijah. Elijah was a great prophet of God. If you looked at 1 Kings 17 and 18, the chapters leading up to what we just read, you would see a really impressive prophetic resume. (coughs) You see, Elijah spoke the word of God to King Ahab, and he said, there's going to be a drought in this land, and there was a drought in that land. Ahab wasn't pleased with that, so he was coming after Elijah. Well, Elijah hid in the Kareth Ravine, and he was cared for by God. During this drought, Elijah got to participate in the miraculous work of God by meeting a a widow and her child in their time of need, and he saw God miraculously provide for them. However, when that child died, God used Elijah to raise him from the dead. How cool is that? But that wasn't the end of Elijah's story. You see, Then Elijah comes and he challenges King Ahab. And he says, hey, I want you to grab 450 of of all the the prophets of Baal, the false god that they were worshiping. I want you to bring them all up to Mount Carmel. And we're going to have a little head-to-head, a face-off between the god of Israel and this false god, Baal. Well, they get up there, they do the thing. And long story short, God demonstrates that he's the one true God. He incinerates a sacrifice that Elijah made for him. 
But that's not how it ended. You see, Elijah then went on and he ensured that those prophets, those 450 prophets, they were killed. And then he tells Ahab, you know what? It's going to rain now. A heavy rain is coming. So it's coming out of this incredible time where he has seen God show up time and time and time again in his life, through his life. This spiritually momentous occasion when we find Elijah suddenly overcome by overwhelm. And the text tells us that while, God, while Elijah had spoken the word of God, he'd been cared for by God, he seed God show up in miraculous ways, he was overcome when Jezebel, the queen, made a threat on his life. A threat. I mean, he just, he'd seen God show up in all these other ways, incredible ways. But a threat sent him over the edge. Why is that? Well, it could be one of a couple of things. Something that we could relate with. It's like we handle it, we handle it, we handle it until something breaks us. Or we're fine, we're fine, we're fine until fear just floods us. Either way, Elijah is overcome with overwhelm. And it's here, it's important for us to recognize that overwhelm can look different in different seasons. There's varying levels of overwhelm. Stress is one of the ways that we can feel overwhelmed. Now, stress typically is short-lived, and it's related to a circumstance or an event. Maybe you got a presentation you've got to make or an assignment that's due. Or maybe it's a conversation you need to have. I think back to a time when I was so stressed was summer of 2014. I was in the middle of my experience at Denver Seminary, and I was rushing, literally rushing, to get through. Took a three-year program, condensed it into two years, which meant that summer I took 17 credits while working a part-time pastoral position. I was stressed. I was so stressed. I was taking Hebrew 1 and 2, and by the time the week of the Hebrew 2 final, I literally reached mental capacity. I was trying to memorize these vocab words. And as I was memorizing them, I could like feel the grocery list leaving my mind or the task list at home. Like I just, I would learn a new word and then like I would forget something so incredibly simple. And I sat there at my desk like two days before the Hebrew final thinking, I found it. This is my mental capacity. Like there is nothing else that can fit in here. And when I took that final, all of it went out. And then I felt like I could breathe again and think again and take in new information again. I was stressed that time. But that's how stress works. It's, it's around a specific event. It's around a, an occurrence. And once that comes and goes, we kind of move past it. Burnout's different, though. Burnout is like chronic stress. It's compounding stress. Experts say that burnout is often the combination of mental, physical, in emotional stress. And it typically is, uh, leads us to this, this state of chronic stress or burnout because it's a, it's a combination of things and it's complicated. It's not easily solved. When we flirt with burnout, we often find ourselves on the brink of a mental breakdown. That's been my experience. I, I came out of that seminary experience jam-packed, 
crammed two years into, or three years into two years while working a part-time job at a church. And after that, Amanda and I moved to Maine, where I was a full-time pastor at my home church. It was an incredible, incredible time. We were excited. We got, just bought our first house together. So we were taking our nights and weekends, and we were doing whatever we could to get the whole place ready and just the way we like it. I loved my job. It was so fun. Got to work with incredible people. So I was just giving it my all. And I was sitting in a staff meeting on a Wednesday afternoon. I don't even remember what we were talking about, but everyone left that meeting with some kind of like assignment, something they had to do based on what we had just talked about. And when I received mine, I just, I, I felt it coming on. Anxiety like I had never felt before. I got back to my desk and my heart was racing. My mind was spinning. And I was like, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to let these people down. Like, I can't, I just can't handle it. And, and I'm feeling this feeling that I had never felt before. So I knew something was wrong. I knew something was up. So I just stand back up and I head to my pastor's office. And I, I sit down and I just unload the dump truck. All the pent-up emotion and stress and strain that I've been carrying from the last few years, I just laid it all out. Lucky him. <laughs> he, he handled it well, though. He dropped what he was doing. He invited me to sit down, and he listened. And he listened, and he listened, and he prayed for me, and then he ensured I got whatever support I needed, which included uh, actually an online course, which was very helpful in figuring out what does a healthy rhythm of life and ministry look like. That was all about eight years ago. I don't ever want to get back to that point. Because I felt like I was on the brink of just a breakdown. And sometimes that's, that's where we are. The stress builds up and compounds to this point where we really can't take it anymore. Whether we find ourselves stressed out or burnt out, there's often an element at play that we definitely see here with Elijah that's present in our lives too when we're overwhelmed, and it's fear. We don't know if Elijah was simply stressed or if he was all-out burnout. We don't know. The text isn't clear enough. What we do know is that Elijah feared for his life. It was a threat, but it was a threat from a pretty powerful person, the Queen of Israel. And rarely have I found myself fearing for my life. But when I am overwhelmed, I do find myself afraid. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of disappointing others. Maybe, maybe right now you're overwhelmed because there's some fear in your life. Maybe you're afraid it's just not going to work out. Or you're afraid that, that the relationship's going to be broken. In, in some circles, mental health and emotional health, when, when there's a problem there, there can be like a stigma. We feel a stigma, like almost like a label's been placed on us. But here, we see that just because you struggle doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. Elijah was an incredible man of God. And yet, Elijah struggled. Because when we struggle, we're, we're human. It's part of our experience. And when we're struggling, when we're overwhelmed, you know what we're tempted to do? We're tempted to do what Elijah did. We're tempted to run too hard. If you... Uh, if you followed Elijah on Strava, here's what you would see in just the, the few verses we just read. 
in, in less than a day, he ran over 125 miles. Crazy. He was running ult, an ultra before ultras were even a thing. <laughs> and it, it totally sapped him of everything he's got. And it's pretty crazy what we'll do when we're flooded with fear. Maybe we physically run hard, but often we'll run hard in, in other ways too. Sometimes we run hard, because, uh, sometimes we actually overwhelm because we've been running too hard. Too many early mornings, late nights, burning the candle on both ends. Too many needs, not enough us. But sometimes, sometimes we, we run hard because we're overwhelmed. We figure, I gotta work Saturday mornings, otherwise I'm gonna fall even further behind. But burnout, overwhelm, stress, it's not just related to what we do. It's also related to how we feel. Allie is on our team. She's wrapping up her degree, clinical counseling degree, right now at Denver Seminary. And we were talking about burnout recently in one of our one-on-ones, and she shared something that I thought, oh, that's, that's a really good point. Burnout is not only doing too much, it can also be feeling too much. Caregivers, pastors, counselors, moms, maybe, just maybe, that's why we feel a little more numb now than we have in the past. Yeah, we're doing a lot, but we also might be feeling a lot. Burnout is not only doing too much, it can also be feeling too much. When we take on the emotions of others without working through our own emotions ourselves, we're, we're in a tricky position. We might be on the brink of burning out. Now, when we run too hard or we run too long, we can be prone to overwhelm. And like Elijah, when we're overwhelmed, you know what we're also tempted to do? We're tempted to leave our people. In, in verses 3 and 4, end of verse 3, beginning of verse 4, it says this, when he, Elijah, came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Elijah left his servant, the one who had his back, the one who was there to support him. He just left him and continued on without him. And I can't tell you how many times in the last decade plus of pastoral ministry I've had a conversation with someone and it's gone something like this. Life is so crazy right now. I've got way too much going on. I'm going to I'm going to just I'm going to have to stop going to community group or life group or whatever the church calls it. I'm going to have to stop going like I'm going to I can't I'm not going to be around as much as I once was. I just can't I don't have time for it anymore. I have heard that story too many times to count, and it breaks my heart because it's in these moments when we, when we need each other most. Uh, Genesis 2.18 says, this is God. It is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. And God's word tells us in Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We're most vulnerable when we're alone. And the enemy knows that. So, so when we feel overwhelmed, let's not leave our people. Let's lean into our people vulnerably sharing how we're doing, humbly inviting them to help us. Yeah, that's hard to do. 
but we need each other. We don't have to bear our burden alone. God gave us the church, one another, so that we can bear one another's burdens. When we're overwhelmed, we're tempted to run too hard. We're tempted to leave our people. And you know what we're also tempted to do? We are tempted to compare ourselves. In, in Elijah's wallowing, he said, I, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I'll never get past this. I'm not like them. Look, I'm as guilty as anyone of the negative self-talk. I'm like a negative self-talk pro. But not once has the negative self-talk been helpful. And not once has comparing myself with someone else brought me more joy and more peace. So we're tempted to do these crazy things that we know logically don't make sense, like run hard and leave our people and compare ourselves. And Elijah's been there too. But you know what? God was with Elijah in his overwhelm. There is hope for us in our overwhelm. Just check this out. Let's keep reading. Picking up at the end of verse 5. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. So while Elijah was asleep, God sent an angel with a very simple instruction, get up and eat. And in two times, the, the angel gave Elijah the same instruction. He did it once, got eight, and then he fell back asleep. And then the angel comes again, prompts him again, he gets up and eats, and then he's on his way. We're wise to, like Elijah, take that same counsel to heart. When we're overwhelmed, get up and eat. Get up and eat. Take care of yourself. God created us as physical beings with physical needs. Uh, when we get overwhelmed, we're tempted to forget to eat. I, I haven't been there. I love to eat. I never forget to eat. But when I do, when I'm overwhelmed, I'll eat unhealthy. I'll snack. I'll, I'll something that, you know, comfort food. When we're overwhelmed, we're tempted to stop exercising. Because we say, I don't have time for that. Or... We'll sleep less. We're tired, we're wrung out, but we'll sleep less because we figure, oh, just, just getting up earlier or just staying up later, like then we'll get it done or then we'll whatever. It doesn't work, does it? It just compounds. It makes the matter worse. The angel instructed Elijah, get up and eat. And that's incredibly practical. It's incredibly helpful. And after he eats, he has some water, and then he goes back to sleep. Because sometimes... We just need a nap. We don't need to over-spiritualize it. Sometimes we just need a nap. When we're feeling overwhelmed, a, a very practical place to start is just healthy diet, exercise, and sleep. I'm not a doctor. You should see your doctor if you're battling with burnout. But I think we've all heard it before. Diet, sleep, exercise, they make a big difference. Personally, what I've found is that I have to exercise regularly to manage just the everyday stress of life. It helps me manage what's going on. And that's helpful when I'm stressed. But when I'm depleted, I need to be refilled. I need something with a lot of adrenaline 
because by the nature of what I do, it's a lot of mental, a lot of emotional, a lot of spiritual energy. I need something physically that's going to like get my mind off things. Because when I'm at the gym, honestly, I'm listening to my message or I'm problem solving something. But when I'm bombing down a mountain on a mountain bike or on skis, I'm not thinking about you. I'm trying to stay alive. <laughs> and believe, that's like refilling to me. I experience God in a really unique way when I get to be active like that. I don't get to do it as much as I'd like, but when I do, man, it makes a big difference. Now, by God's grace, a healthy diet, exercise, sleep, those things can help, okay? Uh, and God's also got some more grace for us. You see, when we get into God's presence, it also makes a big difference too. After the angel came to Elijah that second time, uh, he ate, he drank, and then Elijah went to Mount Horeb. That's the same mountain where Moses encountered God in the burning bush. He, he went to a place where God's people had experienced God in the past. And he is there and he wants to experience him in the present. Now, God's omnipresent, meaning he is all present. He's, he's everywhere. But just because God's all present doesn't mean we are always aware of his presence. Some things that help me be more aware of God's presence are time in God's word. Because his word tells us, Isaiah 55 tells us that whenever we read scripture, whenever we read God's word, it does not return void. Like God will always speak when we open his word and we let him speak to us. So I have a chair time each morning where I, I can hear from God through his word and then I can process it with him in prayer. Another thing that helps me, time with God's people. I, uh, well, let me, let me, let me, here's what God's word says about that. Okay, Jesus said this himself. This is from Matthew 18. He, he says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. All it takes is two or three. We don't need a gazillion people. We just need a couple. A couple people who are wholly surrendered to Jesus and will experience Jesus in a unique and special way. So I prioritize our church services or my community group gatherings in my schedule. And you might be thinking, of course you do, Chris. You're the pastor. It's your job. Fair. Fair. But even when I'm not preaching, I'm here because I want to be here. I want to be with you all. Because when we gather like this, we get to experience God's presence in a unique way because more than two or three are gathered in Jesus' name. Now, another thing that helps me is time at what I would call God places, okay? Just like I said, God is everywhere, all right? But I am more aware of God at specific places. For me, one of the places I've encountered God in the past is at Nixon's Coffee House on the South Platte Trail. So I park at Denver Seminary, I walk down the path, I get a cup of coffee and I just sit there and I'll read and pray and journal when I need to hear from God. In the passage, we saw Elijah go to a God place, Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. That's what it was called in the passage because that's where Moses encountered God and was called to then free God's people from slavery in Egypt. Some places we are just more aware of, more attuned with God's presence. So I would encourage you, if you've had a place like that, it could be a chair in your house, it could be by a, a river or a mountain, it could be a multitude of places. 
But man, when you need to experience God's presence, I would encourage you, go there. It would help you just be more aware of who he is and what he's doing. Now, when Elijah was at Mount Horeb, check out what happened. Check out how he encountered God there. This is now in verse 9 and following. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. He's in God's presence, and then he just unloads. Just all the pent-up emotion, stress that he's feeling, just unloads it. And then the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So after Elijah unloaded everything, just all of it, God wasn't stressed by Elijah's emotions. He wasn't over, overwhelmed himself by all the venting. God didn't even try to solve it. What did God do? God came close to Elijah there was wind, but God was not in the wind. There was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. There was fire, but God was not in the fire. Where was God? He came as a gentle whisper. Why? Why a whisper? He had done the fire thing before, burning bush, been there, done that. Why a whisper now? God's going to do what God's going to do. I don't claim to have God completely figured out and understand his reasoning. Here's what I know about whispering, though. In order to hear a whisper, one has to be close to the one who's receiving that message. you got to be close to whisper. You see, when Elijah was in the cave, God was so close he could whisper. Just, just think about that. Now, what did God whisper to Elijah? Well, verses 13 through 18 records the following. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord, Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from abel Maho. Are you guys glad you're not reading <laughs> all these names? To succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Remember, Elijah's a prophet. He's a prophet of God. So what did God speak to Elijah here in this, this passage? 
He reminded him of who he is. He's a prophet. He's like, go do prophet things. Anoint kings. Raise up prophets. Do your thing, Elijah. Like, that's who you are. Go do the thing. And what might God remind us of if we were so close we could hear him whisper? Well, we might hear, come to me and I will draw near to you. We might hear, be still and know that I am God. Friends, what would it look like to get into God's presence this week? What would it look like to, to be so close to God that we could hear him whisper? When God whispered to Elijah, he charges him to, to get going again. Go do the thing that prophets do. And when we get into God's presence, at some point, God's going to invite us to get going with God as well. You see, when we're stressed, certainly when we're burnt out, we get to a place like Elijah, where the depression is thick. We might even want our life to end. And one of the ways, in God's grace, he invites us to take a step forward is by renewing his purpose for us. It's not the only way, but at some point, God knows, okay, it's time. Let's start walking together again. Because when we have a purpose to live for, we have something bigger to live for. We, we know what it's like to be overwhelmed. We've run too hard. We've left our people. We've even compared ourselves with others. But now we know that when we're overwhelmed, we don't have to go that way. We can experience another way, God's way. Because when we experience God's grace, well, we get up and eat. When we experience his closeness, we're tempted. We, we, we all the more want to get into his presence. We just want more and more of him. And we also will experience renewed purpose. We know that at some point it's time to get going with him again. But here's the cool thing about overwhelm. Overcoming overwhelm at the end of the day has absolutely nothing to do with what you and I do. In everything to do with what he did. You see, the truth is we are all overwhelmed. And we're overwhelmed with something that we can't overcome. Sin. Left to our own devices, we're destined for an eternity apart from God. But the gospel is that, that Jesus gave his life in our place so that we can have life with God. Hebrews 4 tells us this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest referring to Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith, faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Jesus understands what it's like. Just look at his time with the Father in prayer in the garden. He understands what it's like, and he also knows what it's like to seek the Father's presence. Continuing, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
Look, overwhelm might be characterized by fear, but in Jesus, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. Jesus gets us, and he overcame for us. So now we, when we come to him, we can overcome too. The invitation today is simple. Come to Jesus to overcome the overwhelm. And when we do, when we do, we might just be so close that we would hear him whisper. I lost my place. (laughs) We'll hear him whisper this. Just close your eyes and picture Jesus right there by your side whispering this to you because these are words that Jesus did say from Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you have a better way. We don't have to continue to live perpetually overwhelmed. You can bring healing. You can bring wholeness. You invite us to rest in your presence. So here and now, we do just that. Would you, would you take whatever we're carrying and would you replace it with a peace, a peace that passes understanding? Would you come close here now, so close that we could hear you whisper to us personally? And as we go from this place, would we go carrying your burden, which is light and easy, and would you take ours? We ask this in your name. Amen.